1: Hall of Fame edition of the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. I'm Joe Noga, joined as always by Paul Hoynes, our Tribe beat writer. Paul, good to talk to you. And uh, it was it was a good day for the Hall of Fame. I I think just from looking at the election and the results, the voting from the the Baseball Writers Association of America, I think they got it right. Four guys go in on the the BBWAA ballot, joining Harold Baines and Lee Smith, who were uh, selected earlier uh, at the winter meetings by the Modern Day Committee. Mike Messina, Roy Halliday, Edgar Martinez, and uh shoe in the first unanimous vote getter, Mariano Rivera. They they got it right.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think it was a good class. You know, um Messina was, you know, a little maybe a borderline guy, but uh if you go back, he won two hundred and seventy games. I think that surprised some people and uh I know wins have been devalued, but uh, you know, considering in the ball where the ballparks he pitched in in the AL East when, you know, it was still a, it was a very good division. I think you got to give him, uh, you know, his props, you know, Roy Halladay, two times Cy Young winner, two, two shut, uh, two perfect. I mean, not two, two, no hitters. Uh, Edgar Martinez, kind of the, uh, the kind of the measuring stick of all DHS. And of course, uh, Mariano Rivera. I mean, uh, 652 saves, 42 saves in the postseason. I mean, if you know, it is it is weird that, you 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 know, you go back to baseball history, Joe, and, you know, Babe Ruth and Ty Cobb and Ted Williams and Joe DiMaggio, all those guys, you know, the, the heroes of this game, they don't come close to getting 100% of the vote. And uh, a closer, you know, a closer that there's only like eight closers in the Hall of Fame, mm-hmm. guys that have been shut out and uh, kind of, you know, Everybody kind of gives him the uh, the, uh, the 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 weird eye, the you know the, the sideways glance when they try to get into the Hall of Fame because they only pitch one or two innings, at least in the modern day closers. And he's he's the guy that that does the clean sweep. So you know you never know.
1: Well, five rings and playing for the Yankees definitely helps. And uh, I I think the question with Rivera wasn't was he going to be in? Was he going to be a first ballot guy? It was the question was was he going to get the one hundred percent of the vote? would there be that one boston or baltimore writer out there you know some old guy who harbors some sort of just uh you know whatever and and just holds on to it and doesn't vote in, the, in on the first ballot uh I, I think the uh the the open ballots and the the open uh, just the the ability for writers to to put their their votes out there and let everybody know i think that sort of played into him getting uh, 100% of the vote that wasn't the case back when Right. Uh, the guys that you're talking about were, were elected. So, uh, yeah, all that, as far as the voting goes, uh, great and all that. But, you know, these guys are the the outcasts. Like you, you wrote in your story, they're the, the outcasts, the outsiders, uh, you know, baseball's forgotten children, the the closers and the, the, the DHS. And now we've got two of each going into the Hall of Fame this year.
0: Yeah. And that's, uh, it's, it's an interesting, uh, just to come to look at it, you know, DH is, you know, part-time player, no D you know, they don't play defense, uh, closers, you know, one inning kind of stars. I mean, guys like Goose Gossage and those guys that are in, you know, did more than that. They were starters. They, and they also, you know, did the uh, old school saves, two innings, three innings, but you know, not the modern day closers are, uh, you know, pr- pretty much one inning guys. And, and, uh, you know, uh, Rivera was, you know, was kind of that. It's only, but in the but in the postseason, he was a two-inning, three-two-inning closer with Joe right. Torre with the Yankees. I mean, Joe Torre didn't mess around when when in the postseason with with Rivera. Well, uh, uh, who
1: who were the uh, who were the snubs? Who do you think uh, didn't get in? I know uh, we were just talking about uh, Fred McGriff, uh, who who m- might have better numbers across the board than Edgar Martinez uh, hitting and. and and he actually played a, a position uh and and you know won championships and uh, here he is on the outside looking in after ten years on the ballot
0: yeah he drops off now and uh four hundred and ninety three home runs you know Edgar only hit just over three hundred home runs you know and uh, so it's it's interesting that you know you see people you know looking more at quality the quality of the player instead of his counting numbers just the hardcore stats but McGriff you know definitely uh you know, you feel bad for him to, to see him drop off the ballot and not really have a chance. I mean, this guy never – I don't think he ever got close to 50% of the vote. And uh, uh, I think, uh, you know, you know it's, it's, I think there's a school of thought out there that says, uh, you know, since Martinez played his full career, like 18 years in Seattle, he had the kind of a better uh, PR machine behind him. He had a better recognition factor. You know, McGriff, I know he had his good years with Atlanta, but he bounced around a lot. And uh, maybe that hurt him a little, but uh, I don't think it should have. And like we were saying before, Joe, I think, uh, you know, the modern day era committee or one of the offshoots of the veterans committee, I think he's a prime candidate to get in.
1: Yeah, definitely. Uh, I I think it's got to be what three or four years before that cycle comes around again, where the modern modern day era players, uh, guys like Albert Bell and who were were contemporaries of of Fred McGriff, Uh, McGriff will be in. He'll be a candidate for that class in three years. He he'll he'll be in the Hall of Fame one way or another. I I don't think you can you can keep him out. Yeah, and it's uh,
0: inter- you know I was thinking. Do you think Harold Baines getting in lowers the standard for DHs?
1: Well, I I mean you wrote about how there might be, might have been sort of an inside job with Reinsdorf yeah. and Larusa um, being on the committee that that elected him. As far as I think you need more DHs. I think you need to expand and, and allow for more of these guys to be in. So it's it's a good thing. Whether whether or not Harold Baines is the guy to to make that push is is one you know thing you can debate. Yeah. But uh, the fact that the the committee vote was released uh, a month before, almost a month before uh, the ballots were due, definitely had some sort of influence. I mean, you saw Edgar Martinez make a fifteen percent jump in votes. Once Harold Baines was elected, right. basically the writers were saying, "Hey, if the committee's going to put in Harold Baines, then he- then Edgar Martinez definitely gets in because yeah, Edgar think, Martinez, you know, is is a superior DH."
0: Right. I think that's a good point, and uh, you know, I don't know how it influenced the vote. That might be something uh, you know uh, I don't know. Baseball has to look at, or the BBWA has to look at. It's 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 kind of a. a a, a, a timing device, you know, where, where even uh, McGriff went up, in, you know, in percentage, of this being his last year. So, um, you know, so that's, that's interesting. That's, that's, I didn't think about that, but, you know, obviously there's an, inf- you know, everything influences everything else.
1: Well, and, and that brings us to, uh, you know, the uh, sort of our guy, the Cleveland a- angle on this uh, Omar Vizquel, uh in his, second year of eligibility made a significant gain in in votes he he jumped up i believe he was at 37% of the vote last year uh this year he's at 42.8 so almost 43% of the vote uh he, he that's a, a 182 total ballots he was named on in his second year uh that bodes well for him for for next year and beyond uh, particularly looking at the the class of guys coming up next year uh in their first year of eligibility and the the number of guys who are close to dropping off in the next in the next few years, uh, Omar is going to have a real chance if he maintains that same sort of growth in his voting percentage over the next couple of years. Yeah, I definitely think
0: so. You know, Jeter, Derek Jeter's coming on the ballot next year. He's probably a first time first ballot guy. So you know, they played the same position, and I don't think that's going to hurt Omar. Maybe it'll draw more more uh, attention to him. And, you know, like you were saying, the, the steroid guys, Bonds and, and Clemens have, th- uh, you know, they have three years left. So, you know, th- uh, so I think, you know, this is going to be a grind for Omar. I don't mm-hmm. think he's going to make it in the next two or three years. I think he's probably going to have to go to, the, to his eighth, seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth year. Just go right down to the wire. But eventually I think he gets in, especially if he keeps this kind of momentum going. You know, I think it's, I, you know, I, I kind of you know, he reminds me of the Trammell case almost, mm-hmm. you know, Trammel, but Trammel didn't even get this kind of recognition. He never got 40% of the vote until his 15th and final year on, on the BBWA ballot. And he didn't, you know, he didn't make it. So I think, you know, Omar and, and his fans, I think are in pretty, he's well positioned. They shouldn't be uh, chewing their fingernails down to
1: the quick. And, and I think having Jeter being eligible next year, Will also make help Omar make a case for the next few years, just in that you know the reason Derek Jeter didn't win, uh, you know, several any Gold Gloves in that time was Omar was winning 11 consecutive Gold Gloves uh, when when Jeter was basically playing at the height of his game. Uh, these are they're, they're you know if Derek Jeter was the offense, Omar was the defense during that time. So uh, you know the case could be made. The case could be made they should both go in, in the same year, but uh, you know I, I I don't have a vote, so <laughs> yet. So we'll, we'll see. Yeah. Uh, it, it, as what would it mean uh, for for could you imagine the party that he would be throwing that that would be thrown for Omar uh, if he you know eventually gets elected and, and when he gets elected when he gets that call, uh, I, there's got to be some sort of salsa band playing somewhere.
0: <laughs> Definitely, I think it would be it, it would be great. To, you know i just remember how how fired up he was when he got into the indians hall of fame a couple of years ago kind of danced in from center field and <laughs> and you know got his green his uh indians the hall of fame jacket and just gave a great speech and uh he's so full of life and uh i i was i was thinking you know um what if he's a big league manager when when he gets the call cuz that's his that's his next goal mm-hmm. and i think that would be that would really be appropriate you know if the if the two came at the same time, but I, one way or the other, I think he gets in, and you know i know uh you know some people you know he doesn't grade out well with the advanced stats, but this is a guy I think you had to watch and you had to you know he, he you had to watch him every day and he just did stuff every day that you never saw any any shortstop do before, and he never looked like Joe, he never looked like he, he 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 a play a ball was hit to him that he and it did something that he didn't expect it to do. He mm-hmm. seemed like he'd seen every kind of ground ball that was ever hit to him, knew exactly what to do with it. Didn't have the greatest arm, but had a great release, quick release, uh, and just had so much fun. And, 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 you know, I know he ends up with, you know, 2,800 hits. You know, people look at it as he played like 24, 25 years. But you know, I don't think longevity should have hurt hurt a guy in this case.
1: Right. No, it that, that should be a, a plus. Yeah. And, uh, you know, guys with ten plus uh gold gloves and twenty eight hundred hits, uh or twenty twenty seven hundred hits. I, I think uh Roberto Clemente and Willie Mays are are the only other ones. And yeah, well, are all well, Clemente, Clemente.
0: His last hit was his 3,000th hit of his career. You know, he jumped on the plane and uh, unfortunately – Right.
1: What I'm saying is at least 2,700 hits in 10-goal gloves. You know, those are the only three. So, you know, Omar's definitely got a case there. Uh, Omar never seemed to be late to a ground ball. You know, he always – if anything, he was early. And I remember watching, you know, slow-mo replays of balls taking bad hops and just watching him make adjustments – In an instance where you know he never looked fooled on a ball, like you said, so uh, what he did, I think because we saw him so much and we saw him every day play, I I think it's it's like other people don't realize how amazing he was defensively at shortstop, and and to me that that just blows away any other offensive argument. And, And then you look if he had played, you know, one more. Well, uh, you know, full season at his peak, maybe, maybe if he doesn't get slid into a shortstop and, and miss a half a year with yeah. a, a knee injury, you know, I'm not saying 123 hits is, is, is he's going to get all, all at once, but you know, here and there, I, I yeah, think he could have 3, got 3000 and he's yeah. and he's easily there. know well, yeah.
0: uh, I just remember John Hart when he when he made the deal with Seattle. He was so excited about getting the Fiskell. Fiskell was playing winter ball in, in Venezuela, and he had to go down there just to watch him, you know, because he, he knew what he had, you know. Nobody else did, and he knew that Fiskell was kind of the missing piece to those great Indians teams in 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 the from ninety five on, you know, he knew that they needed something to tie them together defensively. The offense was there, the, the bullpen was there, and the, you know the starting pitching was a little shaky, but it was there. But he needed the guy in the middle of the diamond to bring it together, and and Vizquel did.
1: Well, uh, uh, that, that's great. Uh, you know, just tying it back to another piece of that uh, that nineties Indians era. Sandy Alomar, uh, this week announced by the Greater Cleveland Sports Commission, will receive the Lifetime Achievement Award uh, at this year's Greater Cleveland Sports Awards. Coming up, I I believe next in the next couple weeks. uh, uh, It's the February February sixth after the Super Bowl. Um, uh, Alomar, he's only what fifty some years old, uh, getting a Lifetime Achievement Award. But uh, you know, this is a guy who. For thirty years, has been Mister Indian since he came to the Indians, and in a trade from uh, San Diego, uh, and then came in as and one rookie of the year. The Cleveland has just loved Sandy Alomar Jr.
0: Just a just a great guy, Joe. It's same, he never changed. He, um, you know, he's he's he's. I just, you know, he's just he's just like you're right. You know, certain players are 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 associated with certain teams, and I think uh, you know. Sandy and Kenny Lofton and that and Carlos are always going to be linked to the Indians and, and Sandy, especially cause he stayed, he's, he's, he's coached here. He, you know, he, he played 11 years here. He went to six all-star games here. You know, I mean, he, he won, he was an all-star game MVP here in 97. Uh, you know, just, um, you know, he's, he, he is a part of Cleveland and, and he loves it here. He really does. He's had chances to leave, to go coach somewhere else. And he hasn't, you know, he's, 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 you know, he he was, he was in, he was in the Mets bullpen coach. Uh, Manny Acta brought him back here to Cleveland. And he's been, I think he's, he's, he's been a fixture here ever since. And that's just on top of his playing career.
1: Well, and you you think about those great nineties teams that he was on with the Indians, he was really the foundation and he was the first sort of piece in putting together the, that whole puzzle. You, you got your all-star catcher and, and from there, you, you you build up the the minor league system and you bring in the guys who who came along with them and like like you said uh you know you acquire a guy like Kenny Lofton and and you watch how up the middle you build that team yeah. and it started with it started with Sandy
0: yeah uh, you know the Hank Peters and John Hart made the great trade with uh, with the Padres you know they send Joe Carter there and they get Bayerga and and Alomar and and then you go on for that sets the foundation for that, that franchise for that run, that, you know, that seven, eight, nine year run they went on. You know that you get Lofton and you know it was just uh, one great move after another. And you draft, you get Manny, you get Tommy, you know you make deals with for Pena and, and, and Eddie Murray, the new ballpark opens, and away you go.
1: So uh, Alomar's going to get this Lifetime Achievement award. He's also involved with uh, the Velisano uh, bicycle. A uh, fun, uh, fundraising thing for the, the the I believe it's the Cleveland Clinic uh, Cancer Research. Uh, he, he's, he's an avid avid cyclist, uh, something he really enjoys. Uh, so it's not just uh, it, it sort of uh, an on the field award; it, it's more also uh, involvement in the community. He's going to be the the sixth former Indians player or executive or broadcaster or whatever to to receive this honor.
0: Yeah, it's really it's 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 fitting, and it was a good call. I wasn't thinking about that, but when I saw the announcement, I read your story. I I, I really felt good inside. I thought that was that was a great call by uh, the committee. Whoever makes those choices to uh, to honor people, and uh, Sandy deserves it. Sandy looks better now than when <laughs> he played. I mean, he looks in better shape now from doing all the 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 cycling than, than when he was catching
1: you know 100 120 games a year. Well, a, a major league catch I, for for a guy as 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 big and as tall as Sandy is I, that that was the that was the thing that always struck me. You know, catchers are usually the the the, the stocky, shorter guys, like the mud turtles. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, Sandy was just this big dude, and and to be able to throw out guys from his knees, uh, the, the the big frame that he had and the quickness that he showed. Uh, the play that I'll always remember from him was the one where he. He caught the foul ball. I, I, I believe it was against the Reds. I'm not sure. He caught the foul ball at, at Jacobs Field, uh, diving over the the fence the, the, at the backstop, and he sort of right. over the fence and got his shin guard hooked on it, and it was uh he was it, hanging upside down. The fans right. caught him, but yeah. it was it the, the timing of the catch was what was amazing because that ball was coming down in the dugout in the dugout suite, and he caught it on the way down. That was impressive. But yeah, I think that was. A great catch.
0: Yeah, I think Ronnie Coons maybe had the, the shot of that the the the, the UPI uh the photographer.
1: Uh, possible, I'm pretty yeah. Sure
0: that's in the Hall of Fame. That was that was a great photo. That was a great picture.
1: All right. Well, uh, talking about one Indians great going to another uh, all time Indians leader, uh, Cody Allen, uh, the franchise leader in saves, uh, signs a. Uh, I'm pretty sure it was a one year deal with uh, yeah, with the one.
0: Angels. Yeah, one-year, 8.5, and uh, I think he's got some in $2 million of incentives.
1: So across uh, another Indians free agent off the list, uh, we've got a running tally going, Michael Brantley, Lonnie Chisenhall, Josh Donaldson, uh, all these guys. Andrew are, Miller, Andrew Miller. <laughs> Raja <laughs> Davis. <laughs> so uh, the list continues to grow. Uh, we said at the beginning of the offseason, not likely that the Indians would sign anybody. Uh, up until last week or not, not likely they would resign any of their free agents up until last week. We were thinking, may, Hey, maybe, maybe Cody Allen comes down in price and, and they make a deal where they work something out. Uh, not the case.
0: Yeah. I, I was, you know, I thought that he was a missing piece, Joe. I thought he would have been a great setup guy uh, for uh, Brad hand or, you know, or Cheeto could have used them both to flip flop them. Like he, like he's done in the past. And, you know, this is a guy that, that, it took a pay cut he made 10.55 about 10.5 million last year uh and uh i i thought a one year deal would be a great a great a great you know uh just you know this was i thought this was a guy the indians could have gone after and uh i'm surprised they didn't i guess it's it's just a matter it was simply a matter of money or maybe they don't think uh you know cody had struggled a little bit last year so maybe I don't know if they think he lost something but I thought that that's just what they needed in the bullpen a veteran guy that a versatile guy a guy that puts the team first that'll pitch in any role and you know, but you know, a lot of things have strange things have happened in this postseason. As Druble Texas signs as Cabrera, Cabrera a couple of days ago for three point five million. Nick Marcakis goes back to the Braves for four point five million. I thought, you know, those guys had a spot with the Indians. I mean, they could have fit with the Indians. You could have played Cabrera at, at second or third you know, and then put Kipnis out in left field. You know, they're screaming for an outfielder, Markekis. But, you know, obviously Markekis wanted to stay in Atlanta to take that kind of deal. Mm-hmm. But, uh, geez, I, I mean, those are deals. Those are bargains, you know. And, uh, you you know, I, I just wonder, you know, what, what is going on with the Tribe? Are they waiting? Uh, you know, are they are they saving all their chips to see where they're at at the trading deadline and then, then make a move? Or, or just, you know, this team needs. This team has some holes to fill, and and right now they're they're playing a waiting game, and uh, I we'll see what happens. But you know, I think you know a red flag has to go up a little bit here.
1: And, and you didn't even mention the the biggest uh, signing uh, was Zach McAllister for one million dollars <laughs> to, to to Texas. Uh, no, I, I I I get what you're saying. I, I think they the Indians front office keeps saying that they're not done but they they've definitely been in neutral for for quite some time ever since the uh the Yonder Alonso trade uh they, they, there's not been much more than you know speculation on on this side of things uh no moves coming down the pike so uh it it's simultaneously kind of kind of scary and kind of reassuring if 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 they if they think they're going to go into spring training like this and and that they're set then you know uh it, it's, it's gotta got to put a lot something. of pressure on that starting rotation.
0: Yeah, they'll they'll do they'll 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 make some moves, but I I just, you know, I was think, you know, you look at who's left on the board free agent wise and you know, you're thinking, you know, this guy could fit here, this guy could fit there, uh but, you know, the it seems like the only way they're going to make a significant move it is with a trade and uh, you know, that that would, you know, they can you know they can make the money work. Then they don't have to add m- money to the payroll, and that's the. It looks like that's where they're at right
1: now. And it, you know, a story came out last week about how the the players and the agents are are sort of upset again at the the slow nature of uh, of free agency this year. Uh, signings have been going slowly. The it, particularly this the the market for Machado and Harper is. You know, there's been no progress over the last couple of weeks. Everything's been slow. Uh, is this again a, a case like it was last year? Are, are we going to see that refugee camp uh, during yeah. <laughs> um, uh, during spring training, where where all the uh, the, all the laws boys are down in the Yes, they're down.
0: They're down in the the tip of Florida, working out <laughs> the southern uh. tip of Florida, working out. I mean, that's where Milky was last right. year in, right. in Napoli. They were all down there. So uh, yeah, I think uh, I think there, there's some tensions are growing, Joe. I think uh, you know there, there's always you know that talk of. Uh, collusion is right below the surface regarding s- situations like this. I, I also think that the, uh, the time frame on, on the whole free agent signing period has changed a little bit. It's been pushed back. You know, I think there's probably room. There's probably a point where you can argue for having some kind of deadline here, you know, some kind of deadline for trades or free agents, you know, let's get it done. You know, you can, uh, you know you you can set your roster a little sooner you can sell your tickets a little faster mm-hmm. you know if and uh you can uh you know you can you just know what you have you have a better idea of what you have the player and the team you know and uh but you know right now it's definitely in in the owners favor you know they can wait these guys out these guys got to know they have to be in camp the you know the price goes down every day and and with Machado and and, and, and Harper i think there's always going to be like a big name elite players out there that are going to take their time. And I don't think, and you know, unfortunately that sometimes that sets the market and you, everybody's, you got to wait for those guys to go be, before anybody else signs, but there's, I don't think there's a, you know, a deadline would, would take that away. A deadline right. would, 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 you know, bring the whole thing to a, to a conclusion. Right. And, and just not let it be, you know, the Chinese water torture here.
1: Right. And like you're saying, uh, having a deadline, the only not having a deadline, the only teams that really hurts are the mid and small market teams. That, Like you said, they can't go out and sell their their star players that they don't have, you know, or that right. they, they haven't signed or that uh, even just being able to bring in uh, a mid-level free agent that could generate some sort of excitement for a, a Kansas City or you know any any number of the, an, an Oakland or any one of those small market teams it it, it would help but you know the the big the big market teams the Boston's and the New Yorks they don't care about any of that so yeah, there's there's no pressure for them to to set an arbitrary deadline that that they could care less about so
0: yeah yeah it's starting to get down to uh you know spring training spring it's <sighs> like it's spring training is what february 12th pitch Pitchers and catchers report to Goodyear, Arizona, and uh, that's coming fast. Once it gets to – you know, the calendar hits January 1st, Joe, it, it starts flying by, man. It's, it's Hoins- just like
1: – Hoinsie, when's your report day? When, when, is you, when do you I'm, report day? I believe to... in
0: the February 12th, so – There
1: you I, go. So, we'll
0: see. We'll go down there early and then come back home and then come back, go down late. So,
1: we'll see how it goes. Well, we're looking forward to it uh, again. We'll, uh, we'll be following uh, all the developments – uh in the next week here uh starting to get our our, our ducks in a row for for spring training and our coverage as we move forward uh good to talk to you again paul we'll uh we'll talk to you next week all right joe thanks man